Is it too cool in here? Is it just right? It's too cool. Raise your hand. Just right. Too hot. Raise your hand. Okay. Must be just about right. All right. That's a miracle in itself. <laughs> That's right. Amen. Now, <clears throat> I want to establish some guidelines for the message this evening in your minds. If it's in the Word of God, it's right. If it's in the Word of not in God's Word, it's not important. I don't care who says it's right. If it's in the Word of God, it is right. If it's not in the Word of God, it's not important. I don't care who says it is. Okay. Second Corinthians 3 and 18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Everybody said, God bless the word. You may be seated. Father, I ask that your name be exalted. I want to lift you up this evening above everything, lift your word up. I want you to stop my mouth from speaking anything that is not in your will, anything that would do harm or damage to anyone who is trying to go to heaven. Amen. I don't want to be any hindrance to them whatsoever. I'm here, Lord, to minister in your stead. This is not my ministry. It's your ministry. Amen. It's not the ministry of a man. It is your word. And so, Lord, I ask you to check me that I would keep my human feelings. Help me, Lord, to keep my, uh, my spirit uh, out of this so that you might be exalted and that you might be magnified and that you might be lifted up. For Jesus, you said, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And I'm not going to lift us up tonight. I'm going to lift you up. I'm not going to lift a group up. I'm going to lift you up. Amen. I'm, I'm not even going to lift doctrine up tonight. I'm going to lift you up. Amen. If I lift you up, then you'll do the drawing to what people need to be drawn to. Amen. What you don't draw them to, they don't need to be drawn to. Amen. So we come this evening to exalt you, asking for the help of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. I want you to notice the first clause of this passage of Scripture. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the word glass there means a mirror, which is a reflection of the individual who is looking into it. The glory of the Lord. And as we with open faith behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image, which is the image of the Lord, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, the Greek word for open is unveiled in the Amplified, which is uh, a Bible that all Bible scholars, even the conservative ministers who are scholars, accept very openly. I'd like to read that passage from it. Since we consider and look not to things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. I'm 
in the wrong chapter, all right, verse 18 of chapter 3. And all of us, as with unveiled face, now that's what the Greek text says, that the word open means unveiled. That is, that we, without a veil on our face, continued to behold in the word of the Lord as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now what Paul is here saying, that as we behold the image of the Lord in his word as we look in a mirror and see a reflection. We are changed into the likeness of that which we see. Now I want to go back to the third verse of this chapter in King James. I hope you have your Bibles. How many of you do? All right. I hope you didn't bring your Bibles. We'll take pen and paper in hand and write them down for later study. You'll wish that you did if you do not. And please have a second tape ready. Amen for this message. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. We are not sufficient upon our own. Paul said that God is our sufficiency who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, referring to the law, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, that's when God gave the law to Moses, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. After a while, Moses' face was going to quit glowing, and the glory was going to leave. For even... Uh, or rather, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather more glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious hath no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, what was done away the law, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Now what Paul is here doing is comparing the old covenant with the new covenant the covenant of death with the covenant of life. Now I'd like for us to look, and you read along in your Bibles with me as I read in the Amplified, verse 13. Nor do we act like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze upon the finish of the vanishing, 
Now, he first put a veil on his face because his countenance was too bright for them to look upon. And now he put a veil on his face so they couldn't see that it wasn't bright anymore. The glory was vanishing and he didn't want them to know it. And he said, I'm going to have to put a veil on my face so they won't know that my face is no longer glowing. Nor did we act like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze upon the finish of the vanishing splendor which had been upon it. In fact, their minds were grown hard and calloused. That may be the reason he wore a veil. He felt that he might be more effective if they did not know his face didn't shine with glory anymore. They had become dull and had lost the power of understanding. They could not reason it all out that God is a central figure in the program of man. And if they're going to please him, they're going to have to walk with him. For until this present day when the Old Testament, which is the Old Covenant, is being read, that same veil still lies on the heart not being lifted to reveal that in Christ it is made void and done away. You don't need that veil anymore, Jews. Yes, down to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies upon their hearts and minds. But whenever a person turns in repentance to the Lord, the veil is stripped off and taken away. And what a beautiful experience this speaks of. You remember when it happened to you the night the convicting Spirit of God got a hold of your heart and brought you to an altar? It may not have been in a church building somewhere. It may have been in your living room. It may have been out under a tree somewhere. It may have been somewhere in a closet shut away. But you remember when it happened and the veil was stripped off of you and you faced God face to face. Acknowledge what you were and what you wanted to be. Hey man, the veil was just taken away. And then, of course, you got with it and so winning. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord there is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage. There is freedom. And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continued to behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his own image in ever increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Amen. But what happens when that person comes to God? Paul said, remember when you were illuminated, the glory of God so shone upon your countenance that people was able to recognize that you had an experience with God. But what happens when that glory goes? We do the same thing Moses did. We put a veil over our face. We become plastic as we were, and what people see is not what we are. They're what we want them to believe that we are. But they cannot see because we don't have an open face. We have a veiled face. And notice that a veiled face keeps God out. 
God can't minister to you if you have a veiled face. You'll sit there and say it's all right when it's not all right. You'll say I'm saved when you're not saved. You'll say I feel comfortable when you don't feel comfortable. You'll say I love God when you don't love God. You'll learn how to put on a form of godliness and deny the power of God thereof because you don't behold His glory. Amen. Amen. Oh God. Oh God help us. Amen. Our veils keep us from receiving our victories from God. It produces pretenders. Who goes around and I I does somebody have a shawl here that I can borrow tonight? If you will send it to me. Thank you, Sister Williamson. I'll try to see that it don't get back to business. If it gets cold for you, you raise your hand and I'll give you my coat. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Our veils keep God out. Our veils keep us from changing. When we sing a song, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, on earth I long to be like him. And we just got through fighting like cats and dogs before we got to church. Amen. Here we are with a veil. Amen. Oh, it's not literal, but we have learned how to put on that staunch face. We have learned how to put on that pious look. Amen. And we become so unreal with God till we're plastic. And God said, if that's the way you want to be, I'm not going to let you change into my glory. You go on in your hate. You go on in your strife. You go on in your backbiting. You go on in your unforgiving attitudes. You go on in your judgmental ways. You go on with your harshness. Keep your face down, but grow is gone, and nobody will know it as long as you wear your plastic. And I come to preach to Pentecostals tonight, so anybody that's not Pentecost, you probably got some denominational veils yourself. It'll apply to you as it does anybody else. Amen. But Pentecostals are masters at wearing veils. Amen. These are the results of peer pressures that is not recorded in God's holy word. They're not personal convictions, but they're conviction that somebody put on you that they didn't get out of the book. And you begin to depend on those things to make you righteous, and they don't make you nothing. Now I know that's a double negative, and I use it on purpose for you English teachers. <laughs> Amen. Trite. Amen. It don't do anything. It don't hide us from God. It only don't. It only refuses to let the people know that the glory is gone. Amen. We have to wear veils to be accepted. There's about one hundred so-called oneness movements in the world. Not counting the thousands of independent folks that don't belong to anything. Now, I can't make a big issue out of that because this church is independent. Amen. I'm not boasting and I'm not complaining. And I'm not fighting about any denominations. The one that I have, the ones that I've named are otherwise. But if the church was what that we say that it is, why is there so much division and confusion and fighting among God's people? Everybody's got a little private interpretation about a little ideology that don't mean that. 
and they make it such a matter of a test of fellowship that if you don't agree with them to the dot of the iron cross and the key, they'll cut your throat and laugh while you bleed. Amen. I told you it's going to be straight tonight. It's going to be strong. Amen. I have preached for so many of them until when I used to go preach, I would now, I decide now, can I, can, can I wear this wide tie or do I have to wear a narrow one or can I wear one at all? What about double knit? Amen. I don't know. My shoes may be a quarter of an inch too high. And the wife had better be sure she's got toes and heels in hers in some places because they'll put you in the frame if you don't have it. And she sure couldn't wear that red dress. You know I'm telling you the truth. The world is dying on their road to hell and we're squabbling about the things that the Bible didn't say. Praise God. I didn't have him to do that for effect either. I really didn't. Amen. We'll warn our veils so long until they become our face. We don't even know what we look like. When we come in the presence of God, we can't see Him because we can't see ourselves. We've got something that is blocking the change that the Word of God intended for His glory and His presence to effect within us. Amen. Amen. Church should be a place where people get honest, where they can take their veils off. Where the Spirit of the Lord, 2 Corinthians 3 and 17, said there is liberty. But you take your liberty some places, and you'll leave looking like a screen door. You'll be shot to full of holes. Honesty is considered weakness and compromise. Amen. Now, hold on. Hold on, if you will, please. I apply this to every denomination and everybody. <laughs> Veil people of the most vicious and cannibalistic people in the world. If there was a boy from the north whose skin was black, and a boy from the south whose skin was white, and they didn't agree racially because of their upbringing. And that white boy or that black boy got shot by an enemy marksman. The other one would jeopardize and endanger their life to crawl across the way into that foxhole and bring that wounded boy back to the medics so he could get some care but not veil people they shoot their own wounded right in the head pow you are not that yet you are not to that weak you are not to stuck your head out but your problem is your own business. It's none of my problem. But it is some of my problems. Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There ought to be enough of the Spirit of God in this room tonight that a whole bunch of us take our veil off and begin to unveil not only our face, but unveil our heart and tell God how rotten we are. Some of us have worn our veils so long, we are so rotten in our heart and our spirit that we stink. Amen. And we have smelled it so long, we don't even know it. Amen. 
Oh, Lord, I told you it's going to get strong. Amen. One precious pastor said to me, a man of God, he said, Brother Morgan, since I've been preaching, I go to conferences with pen and paper in hand. And he said, I write down things that I can come back home and preach against. That was an honest person. Most are not that honest. Amen. They say, God gave that to me. But they got it sitting in a conference where some dingbat didn't have something enough to read the word of God. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you get it, you better get it out of that book. If you don't get it out of that book, I'm not going to listen to it. Amen. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. A good rule for Christian consideration in the matters of the book, the Word. One noted man said, In essentials, let there be unity. In non-essentials, let there be tolerance. In all things, let there be charity. And I've got to tell you the fourth time, you folks had not heard it once yet. Amen. And I know how many times I told it, and I like it ever better every time I tell it. Teacher told the little class of her, said, Kids, I want you to draw me a picture of God. Or draw me a picture, rather. Just any picture. Little Johnny, you know, he took a little longer time. She said, Johnny, what are you drawing? He said, I'm drawing a picture of God. She said, Well, man, nobody's seen God in any time. She said, Nobody knows what God looks like, said they will when I get through. Amen. Where do we equate our little thimble full of gray matter with the knowledge of the great God of this universe who set all of this thing in order without one bit of help from one of us? It was Job, wasn't it? One time got a little big and the Lord said, Job, where were you when I spoke all of this into existence? Amen. Where were you? Now, if in essentials we cannot have unity, and in non-essentials have tolerance, and in all things have charity, which is love, if we can't do that, we cannot qualify as a Christian. Amen. This is the thing that disturbs me. New converts come in, and for six months, they are so victorious until they win everybody that uh, listen to them. We've questioned for years, why is it that six months to twelve is usually the total lifespan of revival reproduction for a child of God. There's some of you folks been in the church 20 years and had not won anybody to God 19 years. There's some of you haven't won one person in the last five years. Do you know who comes in here and becomes soul winners? The babies. People six months and less. And up to 12 months. I ask you what happens. They come out of bondage in the liberty of Christ. They become soul winning effective. And then we bring them right into our bondages again. And they lose all of their liberty and their drive. And they become like everybody else. The glory is gone. And they start depending on their externals that we put on them. And in 99 chances out of 100, the book never said anything about. Amen. I'm going to preach to you tonight. I'm tired of man's religion. I'm tired of Pentecostal man's religion. 
I'm tired of Baptist religion. In fact, I'm tired of man's religion, period. And Pentecost religion is no different than anybody else's that the glory of the Lord is departed. But if you got a veil on your face, nobody will know it. So we wear our veils very effectively until it becomes our religion with God gone. Mm. Amen. I want to ask you a question. What essentials did Jesus preach? You want me to read them to you? Boy, I wish I could read them all. You ain't got time for that. Matthew 5 and 3. Through 12. I'm going to run through these. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is a kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. I right, 21 through 24. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, that shall not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and therefore remembrest that thy brother has ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go to the pulpit, and everybody you can find, tell them about the problem you've got with your brother. No, 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 no. Leave thy gift there before the altar and go thy way. And go tell everybody what a devil your brother is. Go tell them what a compromiser your brother is. Go tell them how backslid he is. No. Said, leave thy gift before the altar and go thy way and first be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Amen. 43 through 47. You've heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemies. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. I had a man say to me one time, but you don't have to do those things if you're Pentecostal. Being Pentecost. I think that's what Brother Alexander was saying, isn't it? Being Pentecost. Exempt you from living like Jesus lived because you look like you look. You don't have to change because you got a veil and nobody knows how much hatred you've got in your heart against your brother. They can't see it because you go to church and you can just put on a little smile and shake his hand and go right on. And in your heart you say, hey, you devil, you've done me wrong. You said some things about me that I heard. I'd kick you in the seat with my sharp pointed toes if I got half a chance. Amen. I'd kick you in the seat and I'd make you bleed. And the first chance I get to go tell what a devil you are, if I can find a listening ear. Well, praise the Lord, brother. How you doing? Everybody's looking at you now. But you got a veil on. You hypocrite. Holy mess. That's righteousness. If devilishness is righteousness, that's righteousness. I'm telling you what Jesus preached about is sensual. One man said, well, said, I don't really believe Jesus. But you do all these things. Well, isn't that nice? He wasted all this good paper. Amen. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be called, may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil, on the good, and sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. 
For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans, the sinners, do that. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans do so? Amen. Amen. Oh, my Lord. Amen. You know, we say, Lord, I wish you'd give me power. Power, power, power. Wonders work in power. Praise God. I wish you'd give me power. Did you know if God gave most Pentecostals powers with their veiled faces, they would use that power to call fire down from heaven on their enemies? You wouldn't use it to heal the sick if you've got a veiled face. You'd use it to kill people you didn't like. Amen. And you try to do it. But thank God you had enough power to do it. <laughs> oh, Lord. Now, I wasn't saying to you folks that in here. This tape is going throughout the country. I said that for folks in here. Now you feel a little comfortable. But if you needed it, I said it for you. Amen. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Matthew 7 and 1 through 5. Judge not that you be not judged. If one of you didn't read that one too. <laughs> We got a little thing going here about these scriptures. He gets up while I preach and reads one of my scriptures there as well. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. That's great. That lets me know it's in the will of God. I don't feel bad about that at all. And with what measure ye meet, it shall, and you better keep doing it. Amen. It shall be measured to you again. And if you don't, you'll have to put a veil over your face. Amen. Boy, he's on spot staying tuned now, ain't he? And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. All right, now for the one that well, let's, let's do something else for that. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 27 through 31. I'm talking about what Jesus preached. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I say unto you, with fear, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you. Bless them to curse you and pray for them which spitefully use you. And unto him that spite of the on one cheek, after also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh thee, and him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also unto them likewise. And now for that scripture, John chapter 12, verse 46, 47, 48. I'm come a light into the world, but whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Ye man, if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. And it's he who is the one that gave this word to If you hear the words that I speak and you don't straighten your life up and use it as a pattern to go by, he said, I'm still not going to judge you. If Jesus refused to judge people before the judgment day, what right do any of us in this room have to lay a guilt trip on anybody about judgment? Don't you know that there's enough in our heart to deal with that we're going to take another judgment day to get it all straightened out anyway? You think the judgment's already set for you? Not on your life. He said, I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and judgeth not my words, and heareth, receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. And I'm glad that his name is Jesus, because he knows all about it. <laughs> Hallelujah. He has one that judges him. The words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him when, not when some veiled hypocrite decides they want to hold court. But in the last day, <laughs> and he whose court is important is not a hypocrite. His name is Jesus. These are the principles of his life. I read a portion of them to you in these passages. Now, what did Jesus preach about that was external? Let's deal with it. Nothing. The only thing that he preached about external was against the self-righteous robes of the Pharisees. And I'm going to tell you something that may hurt you. 
But if, if standard Pentecostals were to find their counterpart in the day of Jesus, it would be among the Pharisees. Amen. Now, don't get mad at me about that. I'm indicting myself. Amen. I'm indicting myself. I'm not saying anything about you that I'm not saying about myself. That may make it a little easier for you to take this dose tonight. Amen. Why did not Jesus talk about external? He was trying to make Christians out of people. He was trying to teach them Christian principles, which is the life that he lived. John Luke 6 and 40 said, The disciple is not above his master, but he that is perfect shall be as his master. Let me give you in that in modern terminology. A student is not above his teacher, but he that is fully taught shall become as his teacher. And that's why all the principles of Christ's teaching anyway was to make people like himself. Amen. Everybody said, praise the Lord. That's not agreeing with what I'm saying. That's just making it a little easier for you. Amen. i tell you what Jesus talked about, the fruits of a Christian life. He spent all of his ministry on that. He was making Christians out of people. He wasn't making Pentecostals out of them. He wasn't making Baptists out of them. He wasn't making Assembly of Gods out of them. Amen. He wasn't making... Methodist out of them. He wasn't making them Episcopalian. He wasn't making them Presbyterian. Amen. So none of you folks that uh, who's uh, tag I call, let me say it one more time. For us who in most part are present, Jesus was not interested in making Pentecostals out of anybody. Now, I don't care what different name that Pentecostals might call themselves, but now when I say Pentecostal, I'm classifying all spirit-filled people in that classification. Now, whether you do or not, I'm classifying you there so you'll understand what I'm talking about today. I'm talking to everybody sitting on these shoes. Amen. Amen. Somebody said, well, I'll tell you what. Amen. I'm not a Christian. I'm a Pentecostal. That's a God's truth. Somebody said to Brother Glenn the other day, can I say that he's going to listen to this tape and he's going to enjoy this? He said, what are you both going to call yourself now? Brother Glenn says, Christian. How's that speaking? Isn't that all right? He's no big problem. Hey, no big deal. Hey, no big deal. What you put on your name tag out there? You can put it on your doghouse, and that ain't going to make God's glory there. Hallelujah. Somebody come along and say, you got to have Church of Christ, or you got to have assembly of the Lord Jesus Christ. you got to have Jesus' name on your side out there if you're going to go in the rapture. You mean to tell me the Lord's going to come down here and read everybody's sign? And he's going to say, it don't matter how much corruptness you got in your heart. It don't matter how much bitterness and how much hate, how much strife, how much hard feelings, how much sin that you got. Because you got your title out there, I'm going to take you up. No, not on your life, not in a million years. That's the veil that we have hidden behind. We said we're righteous because we're thus and so, and we're not, and we're not doing anything about it because that is a veil that keeps us from safety and being like Jesus because we go to church and we refuse the help of the Holy Ghost in the areas of our Now, hey, dear friend of mine, please, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to hurt you. Amen. 
before I get through tonight if you'll take the veil off. You're going to get help if you keep the veil on. You can Nobody can help you. Not even God. Because your veil substitutes for his glory. He's not going to go past your veil. Amen. I was recently praying, and I asked the Lord, I said, Now, Lord, I know what the Hebrew word, the Old Testament, holds means, and I know what the Greek word, the New Testament, holds means. When I want to know, Lord, and then that ridiculous fear preacher's been preaching. You know, that's 28 years. You've got to ask the Lord such a dumb question. The Lord, what I know that I have seen among so-called holiness and even holiness preachers, and I could write a book about it, that would be a bestseller of corruption. Amen. And, and they need help. I didn't say that to be ugly. One preacher said I stood and named a certain sin, and I said, all of you, all of you preachers have got this problem in your life, meet me at the back of the building. And if I'm not mistaken, he said, 40 preachers met him at the back of the building. And there was a crowd of about 20,000 people that just began to hurl. I laughed He said, what are you laughing about? something to laugh about. He said, those people wanted to get right with God. Amen. Amen. But I said, Lord, I have, I have preached it and I've heard it. All of these things are holy. And if I look like this, I can do anything I want to do as long as people don't know it. And I still go to church and use all of this as a veil. And people's not going to know the glory is upon it. I can keep the same look. I can sit in the same place. I can worship the same way, which is use a dead and dry form. Yeah, man. I'm not going to put myself out there where I sound like I really do sound or sounding brass and a deepening symbol, and nobody's going to know it. Amen. Lord, would you tell me what is your requirement in the area of holiness? And the Lord spoke to my mind. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. He said, I put it in the book. Hallelujah. And I want you to read it with me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Galatians 5 and 22. And I'm telling you, that if you can't love those that despitefully use you, I don't care what kind of mask externally you wear, you're not right with God. Joy! The Bible said the joy of the Lord is our strength. If we don't have any joy, we don't have any strength. Amen. And I don't care what you've got. If you don't have joy, you don't have the kingdom. Been around it 47 years. Amen. And there has been very little peace anywhere in Pentecost that I know about. I said this morning, split, split, and then the splinters. I'm just split, splinter. Amen. What? What? My Lord. Pentecost could tell the general something about. War strategy against the communists. President Reagan ought to have some Pentecostal preachers on his cabinet up there to figure out how to whip the enemy. Hey, I've been one of them and sat in that seat all of my preaching life. And I'm so I've wasted so much time and let the world die and go to hell and wasted the opportunity that God gave to me 
to help somebody be saved because of grudges and bitterness and hate going to the pulpit and using it as a battery ram to club somebody's brains out that's not doing exactly the way that I think they ought to do, regardless that the word's got nothing to say about it. That's a sham. That's a put on. That's plastic. Amen. That's a veil. That's a covering. And God hates that. I'm not saying anything. Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, amen. You say, well, I, I preach you got a lot of love. He busts our hide because he loves us. Amen. Amen. He may be busting your hide because he's playing God. I played God a long time. Amen. Peace, yeah. Peace as long as you go along with it. Amen. Long suffering. Oh, well, you don't have much of that. Gentleness. Oh, he's so crude as it comes. Goodness. Meekness. Humility. Thank you. Is a problem. Is a problem. Amen. If we have all of these things that we hide as a veil behind, and if we don't have this, we're not going to go one quarter of the minute off the ground when the trumpet sounds and the church is called away. I don't care if you look at food, you're the hardest line there is. I'm not shooting at you precious people that are here, here, man, almost by accident tonight. I'm not doing that. I'm not being unkind. I'm not trying to be unkind to anybody who's, you know, anybody's minister, who's, you know, visiting members of the visiting. Please, please, I'm not trying to. I'm, I'm bringing an indictment against myself. Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you what I did this week. I have bowed my knee in the presence of the Lord and wept more tears. And I have made more confessions to God. Amen. I have made more confessions to God about the spirits of bondage that was in my heart. How dare a preacher get up and say something like that? Well, you don't have to if you're going to keep wearing your veil. Amen. But if you're going to take your veil off, you're going to have to get honest about it. Now, what I said to God wasn't none of your business. And what you say to God is none of my business. But if you've got some spirits of bitterness and jealousy and hatred and strife, harshness, cruelty, gossip, backbiting, you're not what you ought to be. And you need to strip your veil off and acknowledge it before God. God, I want to be made right. I want to be whole. I want to be clean. I want to be right. Amen. Amen. But you don't do that when you're depending on a plastic mask. We damn the Catholics and their Mardi Gras. Have you ever seen such faces that is so horrible and so terrible? Once a year, they put these masks on, and they have these balls. I've never been to one. I never wanted to go to one. And if I lived in New Orleans, I'd leave when one come. Amen. And they put all of these ugly masks on. For the life of me, I keep figuring out why Christians want to go down there. They want to put a mask on because they can do everything that they feel prompted of the devil to do. And nobody knows who done it. It's a chance to revel in sin without having the answer to it. Hey, Pentecost has had year-long Mardi Gras. 
anointing. Lord, I'm going to have to do this in serial form. Would you come back next time and minister? Or do you want me to finish it tonight? You want me to finish it tonight? You want me to finish it tonight? I was anyway. I just wanted you to know you wanted me to. Praise God. All right, amen. Praise God. All right. We need to confess it to you. We need to confess it to you. But we all with open faith. You can't say that you got a veil on. You can cuss. You can lie. You can steal. You can do everything under the sun. And we know about that, don't we? You say, but Brother Morgan, I've never done anything like that. And it cost us full of that worry. Amen. But here we go. I live on. I live on. And it's penalty. That's right, but you probably ain't gonna live what you think about. Unless you get honest. Now I said, God, that I'm here and you're somewhere. And I can't depend on my tongue talking to get me there. Because a lot of people have learned how to memorize tongues. And they can rattle to their blue in the face without the Holy Ghost being in it. Every sound has some meaning in some language. Because we don't have the power of God in our midst, we have to get them in the altar and talk them in tongues. Amen. I'm hungry for the day that Jesus Christ won't stand at the door and knock. But he'll come on in because there'll be a visitation of people with unveiled faces that will say, Lord, I want to be changed into your glory. And there will be such a move of the Holy Ghost that people will return on the seat and lift their hands and begin to speak in a heavenly language as the Spirit of the Lord God gives the utterance. But we don't have the power to get it done. So we got to say, baloney. We say, what do we lose nine out of ten? Nine out of ten didn't get it. You don't get the new life of Jesus Christ and go right on back into your sins. Yeah, man. They got saved, but they didn't stick. No, they didn't get saved. They got food because we wanted to count a number. So when somebody says we had great faith, you ever heard it like that? What kind of church y'all have? Wonderful, fantastic. Ooh, we had a time. Amen. You really had a time. Yes, sir. We have one to the Holy Ghost. Too blessed. Yeah, and three baptized. Well, that's pretty great. If we only keep one out of ten, how are we going to divide that one up? If you keep the leg, keep the six foot. I'm telling you that nine out of ten people that we claim to get the Holy Ghost in our altars don't get anything but tongue talking. The Holy Ghost is not tongue talking. Now the Lord spoke that to me this week. You may like it or don't like it, and that don't make a dime's bit of difference. Tongue talking is not the Holy Ghost. Amen. Oh, Lord, Lord, I hope you can word me in Oh, if they just say it, little old Jesus, 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 
will you say, Brother Morgan, why do we do that? Because we don't have the glory of God in our presence. Because we are not honest with ourselves. We're not honest with God. We've got so much plastic on until God said, all right, if you want to sit there in that deception, go ahead and have church by yourself. And we've got to stimulate victory. Amen. And the only difference in our deadness and the deadness of some denominations that we criticize is that we've got more volume than they got. Amen. We've got more physical exercise than they got. And we claim that spirituality, and we can do that with or without God. And nine chances out of ten, it's without God, because we're all sitting around with veils on, and God 